Hello, and welcome to another episode of the In Amen podcast. I'm your host, Justin Elwell, and I do want to make mention, please like and share and uh, subscribe to our podcast so that you can make sure to get notified of all the content that is being produced. Uh, We're going to tackle another level of the road to happiness that Jesus dictates in the scriptures, the B attitudes. We've looked at a couple of them so far, and now we're going to deal with the subject of meekness. And we'll learn some valuable truths on what it means to be meek and why it is such a breath of fresh air uh, to, to just simply be meek and how you can be blessed, how you can be happy from learning to be meek. So without further further ado, let's listen in. Have a fulfilled life. See, we get some of this terminology because we, we've kind of been, uh, Christianity has taken us a whole bunch of places and it hasn't always been the Bible. I'll just put it that way. God said that he wants of Jesus, if you remember John chapter 10, he says, I want you to have life it's like the thief cometh but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that ye might have life. You know, the rhythm and cadence of life. But then he says, but more abundantly. In other words, he wants to ex- us to experience every high and every low that life has to offer. Now you sit back, it's like, why would God want us to be experience lows and well, because that's what makes life meaningful. You ever notice that you don't remember the normal day? Most of you, if you sat back and I said, what did you do three weeks ago on Tuesday? You'd sit back and be like, I don't know. Why? Probably because it was normal. But yet there's sometimes where you have a day that literally you come to it at the year of uh, 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 February. I, I think of February. February very often uh, because that was the that was the time my, my mom passed away that was a that was a critical day in my life I I, I remember that day it it, it it channels a specific memory in my mind and it was a very low point but yet I remember it because in life you will remember your highs and you will remember your lows you won't remember much of your middles and so God's telling us he needs preparing us on how to have that fulfilled, completely uh, happy life. And so we talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, the, the life that was being poor in spirit or being humble. That one way to find happiness in your life is to be poor in spirit, to recognize that happiness cannot come from you. You will not all of a sudden become happy just because you want to be. Happiness is something that comes from outside of you, and you've got to recognize that you can't do it on your own. It takes great stress out of your life life to realize that being happy is not something you can manufacture. You are bankrupt of what it takes to be happy. You're bankrupt because you became a sinner, just like I did. And therefore, we are no longer dominion beings over this earth are men of fallen nature. 
So we can't get happiness just by saying, I want to be happy. We got to go to the source of joy. And the source of joy is the Spirit. The source of joy is God. We've got to go to him to find that happiness. So he said, you want to be happy, first of all, recognize you can't manufacture it. You're poor in spirit. Someone else has got to give it to you. Secondly, we talked about last week is blessed are they who mourn. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, blessed are they that mourn, verse number 4, for they shall be comforted. And you sit back. Usually no, none of us think of mourning as a happy experience. So why does God say this? Well, he says that you have to look at verse number three. What are you mourning? You're mourning the fact that you're in spirit. Mourning, and this particular uh, word, we learned about this last week, this mourn right here is like mourning a dead person. It's like having a funeral. You're going to a funeral and you're mourning the person. Why? Because you are completely separating yourself from that person's life. They, they go in the ground, you continue on. And you say, well, why is that? A, why, would we, why would Jesus say that's happiness? Well, it's what you're mourning. You've got to mourn your spiritual condition, your spiritual condition, the fact that you're a sinner. One of the best, most freeing things you can do is when you have a funeral service for your sin. It's when you mourn and separate yourself from that which is bringing you down and which is bringing you down, whether you realize it or not, is sin. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily sin in your life. Sometimes it might be sin from whether the sin that was enacted on us, the sin that we did to others, the sin that we did to God, whatever. If we don't say, I'm not walking down that path, I am choosing a different road, I am repenting, I'm changing my mind, changing direction, and I'm going to, I'm going to choose to separate myself from my sin. I'm not going to walk that way. Jesus says, you're going to find yourself more fulfilled separate. So we talk today, we're going to talk about being meek. Or this attitude is the happy, bankrupt, mourning meekers. Because remember, everything builds on each other. Everything Jesus says, it's a building block to get to that ultimate journey of happiness. Meek. That is not one of those words that many of us like to especially for a guy, and sometimes ladies now today, likes to be referred to as meek. Well, he's a meek little individual, isn't he? Like, we don't even use that word. It's not even in vogue much anymore to even use that as a description. But nobody wants to be called it. I mean, seriously, I'm not meek. Bless God, I'm wild and rah, ferocious. Something we can growl while we're saying it. And yet God says, blessed are the meek. So we're going to look at that. Today we're going to focus on that. Let me just say right up front, meekness is not weakness. Most people think that meek means you're weak, a spineless person without any backbone at all. But if you go back to what this word and the origin of this word, the word meek is the same word that is used for bridling a horse or taming a wild animal. In other words, meekness involves the process of teaching or training an animal. It's not that the animal becomes powerless when they are trained, 
but rather that the power of the animal has been brought under the control of the trainer. So in the Christian realm, when we talk about a meek person, we're not talking about a spineless wimp. Rather, we are talking about a person whose life has been brought under the influence and the authority of the Holy Spirit of God. You are power under control. You didn't lose your power. You ever seen a a horse that has been trained, but not quite. I remember one time back riding, and and uh, we were all picking our horses. You know, we were one of those led uh, pathway um, uh, horseback riding trails and such. And so the leader, uh, I, I picked my horse. I saw this horse. It was a white horse. It had little black dot right there in the center of the eyes. And I was like, oh yeah, that's the one I want. And so I picked it and he's like, all right, this, this horse's name is Pirate. I was like, really? I was like, yeah, we called him Pirate because go with the flow. I was like, so be very careful on this horse. A couple of times, you know, he'll just start running off and not going down the path. And I remember sitting there and saying, what you need to do, you need to really grab those reins. And if you see him doing something he's not supposed to, you got to whip that thing back to get that horse back in line. And I remember riding Pirate, and sure enough, Pirate thought he wanted to be at the head of the line. And he was five horses back. So he spent the entire journey, you know, all the in a line, like nipping at the back of the horse in front of him, causing the horse to move to the side and then running in front of him. So I started in fifth place. I ended in first place because bless God, he was going to be the one who won this. And I sat back and I thought about it. I was like, I, how in the world can I even ride this beast? This beast could kill me anytime I wanted to. The difference, though he wasn't as trained as some of the other horses, he had put himself under the control and used his power to be directed to where it needed to be directed. That's what God calls a meek person, power under control. In Matthew chapter 20, or 11, verse number 28, Jesus calls out and says, come unto me, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How is he going to give us rest? He says in verse number 29, take my yoke upon you. What? I'm going to have you rest. It's like, well, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to burden you with my yoke. Well, how is that rest? Well, that's only rest when you realize the yoke you carry is a whole lot heavier than the yoke he carries. You trying to figure out this life on your own? Let me just tell you, a whole lot more depressing. It's going to cause a whole lot more heartache. You're going to sit back. You're going to have a whole lot more questions and answers trying to go through this life on your own. I'm just saying. He says, take my yoke. I'm right in there with you, and I can guide you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Jesus was meek. The entire time that he walked on this earth, when anybody asked him what he was doing, he always talked about, I got to do the will of my father. Why? Jesus wasn't powerful? Oh, he was all powerful. 
Bible says he could have called 10, 10, 10 legions of angels to come down and pull him off the cross. It wasn't a matter that he didn't have the power to do anything, that he was just a spineless wimp. No, the matter that his whole focus, his whole attention uh, was to be an example for each and every one to live our lives under the control and direction of an almighty God. He says, I'm meek, be like this. So what is this beatitude telling me? Is that I am to follow God or allow God to lead me and teach me and guide me as I go through life. It's like saying, Jesus, I'll drive, you just PS. I'll, I'll, I'll give energy, you tell me where. So we're going to look at some areas, what I believe that all would be practical for us to understand about being meek in this world. We'll look at five different lessons of meekness that the Bible teaches us to carry. The first lesson is be teachable, not unreachable. Be teachable, not unreachable. Faithful Christians constantly look for opportunities to learn more about Jesus. There's a reason why it is primarily especially in our world today, the older generation that is walking to the church. You say, why is it the older generation? It isn't it funny that the older generation is more teachable than the younger generation? We have more opportunities to learn than we've ever had before. Most of you right now could learn a new language literally while you're listening to the sermon. You could pick up this little device right here, and you could learn things like crazy. A whole lot of junk that you don't need to learn, by the way. Uh, it's probably not going to be a media platform. Uh, but you'll learn a whole bunch of stuff. You have opportunity, but yet it's the older generation that continues to go back and try and learn and learn. And I know sometimes they don't want to learn your technology, but that's because they have a life and you don't. Uh, but they do want to learn the information that is valuable. Can I challenge, and I want to challenge the older generation too to keep on learning because I think there's still steps in growth that happens, but I really want to challenge my generation and younger. I find it sad that the largest class in Sunday school is the older class. Did we all learn the Bible already? I know, I'm, I'm meddling now, I'm not preaching, but I'm going to meddle. Our young people, good night. Ways that we did sword drills where you, you lift up your Bible and, and the preacher would tell us a passage of Scripture, Revelation 3.22, go, and we'd have to open it up and be the first one to call out the verse and read the verse aloud. And uh, we got so fast on it that we could do it in like a second, like literally from the time they said, it, I mean, I mean, our, we, we were very competitive kids. And, uh, and then all of a sudden they said, you know what, we're going to make it a little harder. Now we're just going to give you a set of numbers. So they would say things like four, five, six, seven, and you'd have to find the fourth book, the fifth uh, uh, chapter, the sixth uh, uh, verse and the seventh word. And you'd have to do that. We got to where we could do that in two seconds. Then all of a sudden, I had, a, I had an amazing uh, youth pastor, and he said, he said, now we're going to do doctrine drills. 
prove to me that Jesus is the light of the world, go. And we'd have to open up our Bible and find the verse that said that Jesus was the light of the world. Any of you adults want to try that game? <laughs> Where you sat back and say, prove to me, could you, could you sit down and if someone had a question, be able to open up the Bible and show them? You sit back and say, preacher, I, I, I couldn't do that. Well, don't look at that as an excuse that you never can. Do what the Bible says and learn. That's where it says be teachable. Allow learning to take place. And that is, by the way, that was historically the way Sunday school was always supposed to be. Preaching, when you come to a regular service, that's where you get the heart conviction to go out and do something this week that's going to that's that's going to be a blessing to the world. Teaching is where you learn the information of what to carry. I want you to charge hell with the squirt gun this week. But I want you to know how to do it. That's where the teaching comes in. And so part of this meekness is being learning to be teachable unreachable. And it's interesting. I read that passage, Matthew 11, where Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and give me rest, or, and I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He says, learn of me. He wants you to know more of him. Jesus wants us to be teachable. Every day we should be praying, Lord, teach me more about you today. Help me to learn something today that will make me more useful for your kingdom. Help me to learn something that I can pass on to others. Ask God to search our hearts uh, so that we can have that teachable spirit to improve what we know about him. Why? Because ultimately the job of the Christian, a disciple of Christ, is to become more like Christ. And if you don't know how to be more like Christ, then you need to be teachable enough to find out. The Bible says in Luke 6.40, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And sometimes we look at those words and we think, oh, are you talking about slavery? No, it's much more like a schoolmaster. Jesus wants to be our teacher, but he wants us to pattern our lives, become gentle, not judgmental. In Romans chapter 14 and verse number one, the Bible says, him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he, he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him that eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. You know, one of the lessons of meekness is learning to accept people where they are. Accept people where they are. We struggle probably more than previous generations and probably because we, we've grown to know people a lot better than we've ever known people. You know, it's amazing, the younger, but especially the younger you are, the more I know about you and you haven't told me any of it. You know what you did? 
you posted all your thoughts and opinions on a page thinking that only people that you care about reading read it. You literally tell me everything about you. I remember uh, we were walking out of service the, uh, last week, and one of our first-time visitors, she came out, and she's like, uh, her, her sister uh, who comes to our church, Aaron, she was like, I told her that I did not tell him anything to and she was coming out because she was thinking I was just preaching right to her, and she was she was struggling with that. And it's like, and I didn't even have them get on your social profile. And I was like, yeah, that's how I build most of my messages. And uh, <laughs> I was I was joking, but that's that's it. I mean, I mean, it's amazing how much we know about people, and, and what that causes that causes us to be extremely judgmental, because you don't necessarily hear. When you, when you read what somebody shares as an article, you don't necessarily hear the new thought. You hear someone else's thoughts. You don't. Nobody here wants to kill a president. No, no, nobody, nobody here wants to take up arms right now attacking the White House. Now, you can get stirred up into a frenzy but nobody's that opinionated. Nobody's that purist. And if you really thought about it, and if you heard some uh, uh, opposing thing, you might even sit back and say, yeah, I might be taking a little too far. Why? Because we are so judgmental. We, we actually pride ourselves on how non-judgmental we are, but we are one of the most judgmental societies in the world. Good night. It's amazing that so far hundreds of years have been able to put up with Dr. Seuss books and then all of a sudden we can't anymore. Why? Because we're judgmental. Do you know every society has had people that the Bible calls an abomination? Every generation has had them. Not saying is, let's stop being so judgmental and let's give them Jesus instead of our opinion. Because that's what's going to help them. That's what's going to make the difference. Don't expect lost people to, or don't be surprised when lost people act like they're lost. Give them Jesus. And watch him do what no specialty camp can do. Watch him do what no political commentary can do. Watch him bring change in a person's life. And you say, preacher, how do you know Jesus can bring that kind of change into him life? Because <laughs> he did it with me. <laughs> he did it with me. I was a lost person. He's like, well, you didn't go that far. My sin was just as disgusting as their sin in the eyes of a perfect and almighty God. And there was a great that separated me from his perfection. All of us have come short of the glory of God. All of us stand in direct contrast to a holy God way off here in the distance. And it wasn't but for the blood of Jesus Christ who made his way into our lives and said, if you'll accept me, I will lead you to perfection. In this life, we're not going to make it. But I'm getting a glorified body. I will be made whole. I will be made perfect. So why in the world would I want to judge other people on their sin? 
as being unworthy of grace? Like, like that's what we're worthy of. We're, we're definitely not worthy of goodness, but we are worthy of getting something we don't deserve. I'm a perfect candidate for that because I don't deserve the grace of God. And that's why he's given it to me. And by the way, that grace is extended to all men. They can accept it just like did. So what do you got to do? Don't, don't get too judgmental. Look at people instead of how you look at them the way God looks at them. For God so loved the world. And I say, preacher, but these people are haters of God. Yeah, about it too. Does that mean you're going to reach them all? No. Does that mean there's going to be some people that are going to die and split hell wide open? Absolutely. But I'm not saying that with a smirk. I'm saying it with a tear. Because if anybody just saw the grace of God as it is and claimed it, the Holy Spirit of God can make lives clean. And it's an awesome thing to know that He can and that He will to those who let Him. He says in Galatians 6, 1, I got to hurry. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Control, power under control. Understanding we can make a difference. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How do you react when someone you know messes up in their life? Do you say, I told you so, I could see that coming, you blew it. How could you be so dumb? How could you be so stupid? That's not meekness. Meekness is treating people gently. Now we'll get to something on the opposite end, but let me go on. The third lesson of meekness is be an actor, not a reactor. The point is about taking initiative when bad things happen. The Bible says in Romans 12, 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me tell you some facts of life. You're going to get hurt. You will get hurt. Someone will mess you up. How you respond to the hurt in your life matters. We all know it when we fly off the handle, when we lose our temper. What is losing your temper? It's where the control that you had, ping, leaves, and you've just reacted to a situation instead of acted in a situation. One is without control. One is with control. Now you say, preacher, are you saying we're not allowed to get angry? I find it amazing that Jesus went into a temple 
and cleared it out with a whip. Does everyone remember that story? He, he walks into a temple. He, he has a whip in his hand, and he's literally slapping people and tables and pulling them over and saying, why are you letting this be done in the house of God? This isn't for money changers. This is for prayer. This is for a reflection. This is to get in touch with God. Why are you doing this? You would sit back and say, wow, Jesus lost his temper. Until you read a couple of verses before where it said he braided the whip. I don't know about you, but I don't lose my temper and start knitting. That's not, that's, that's usually what you do to cool off if you do it. I don't do it because that would tick me off. That would make me lose my temper. I, I, don't, I don't just sit there and start weaving stuff because, oh, I'm just so mad. I'm just, no. What was he doing? Something's got to be done about this. It's time for me to act. There's a difference in this. If you can learn to use anger as a tool and not a de facto emotion, you will find great use of anger. I can't tell you how many times. I do this with my kids all the time. I will sit there with my kids, and I will come to a point where I'm dealing with something, and I will scream. Like, not scream. Well, yeah, scream. Um, I will deal with something, and then I'll turn around and start having this pleasant conversation I was trying to catch with my wife. It's like, well, what happened? Did you lose your temper? No, I used anger as a tool. It's a tool. Now, if you let it become emotional, you're not meek. You do lose your temper. That's not, me, that, that's not meekness. That's not power under control. And so he, he tells us here uh, is that when you deal with life, don't react to it. Act appropriately. Don't attach emotion to every hurt, but rather use the tools that God is teaching you to use to continue on. Whatever happens to you, you can respond with patience, kindness, and love. You can. You can respond how God is teaching you to respond. Don't react. Number next. Number four, become understanding, not demanding. In Philippians chapter two, the Bible says, let nothing, verse number three, nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, this is the idea of, simply looking at it and saying, you know what? I am doing things in my life not exclusively for my own personal pleasure and gain. I'm doing things in life so that I can help others. So everything I do kind of has a quality to it of love God and love others because that's the greatest commandment. Love God, love others. And so if you're doing something and it's not loving God and loving others, then maybe you're doing it 
wrong. That's why it says, don't let it be done through strife and vainglory. Everything you do should be about someone else. You should be very understanding about what people are going through. Do you know every person you come across this week has a potential of going through something that is just overwhelming? Do you know every person that cuts you off sometimes, that person may be just trying to keep it all together? No, I mean, you can be demanding and say, well, you're, you're coming into my life. You're putting your problems into my life. That's what Jesus taught us to do. It's to let people bring their problems. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So if people are bringing problems to you, that's your best opportunity to show meekness. Say, yeah, I'm going to deal with it. I love it. It's, I love to see how God is using different people, but do you know when someone's having a or a need? I love to see people catch it and say, I'm going to take care of that. This, just this week, I, I can think of four or five people within the church, and I'm so excited when I see this kind of stuff, that were coming up to me and say, yeah, so-and-so had a need in the church, and, and I just took care of it. I didn't even know about it. But what is that? That's understanding. That's where you learn the meekness, that God, God can use you just like he can use me. I'm nobody special. It's just being allowed to be used of God and understand that people are going through a tough time. Stop trying to push your way to the front or sweet talk yourself to the uh, top, as this verse says. Don't be obsessed with getting your way, but rather put yourself aside to help others. Forget yourself and let hand. Think of yourself as Christ thought of himself. He had rights, but he didn't exercise them. That's what, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant. He said, I, I, I have a right to tell everybody, worship me, but I'm coming as a servant, and I'm going to serve them rather than them serving me. And then the fifth lesson, become tender without surrender. Understand that being meek means you are under the control of God, not necessarily under the control of the whims of everyone around you. You should not be a pacifist to everybody's whims but a pacifist to the leading of the Father. Holy Spirit directs you, and you go. Do you know how many times people are going to ask you for stuff, ask you to do stuff? Sometimes, this is where that meekness, weakness thing kind of comes in. We think, well, I just have to do it because someone asked. No, I'm under control of the Spirit. If the Spirit leads me to say yes, I should say yes. But this is where that idea of truth comes in. Can I just tell you, you're not going to please everybody. I heard a pastor once say this. He like, man, I always please 100% of my congregation. 
I'm like, how do you do that? And he's like, man, 50% of people are happy when I come and 50% of people are happy when I go. You're not going to please everybody. You're not, you're not, not everybody's going to be your friend. Not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to get what the Lord's trying to do, do in your life. And, and so don't think for a minute that you're going to be battle-free because I'm going to be weakness and under control, so I'm not going to react and I'm not going to do all this, and all of a sudden everything's going to be great and everybody's going to love me. No, that's not going to happen. Matter of fact, more people will probably hate you the more you become under the control of God. Why? Because you're being directed by him. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Pick your battles, but don't run away from every battle. Not everything has to be a battle, but when God's telling you to stand, stand. You don't have to be mean about it. You just stand. Say, this this is the truth. I'm telling you, this is the truth. Meekness is still utilizing the power God has given you in the direction he wants you to. Learning, learning that you can still present truth in a nice way. Let me just add this. Learn to disagree agreeably. I heard a preacher once say it. He said, you know what? People may disagree with my position, but that doesn't mean they need to disagree with my disposition. I can tell people what the truth is without being angry about it. And it's an art that you will not be able to learn apart from God. But once you learn to allow the God every single day to control your life, let me just tell you what the promise is. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Can I tell you something? There's going to come a day. I won't get too deep into it, but I do want to mention it. There's going to come a day. The Bible says it's going to last a thousand years, a whole millennium, that we're going to rule and reign on this earth with Christ. We inherit the earth. But it's a promise to the people that are allowing God to control their lives today. Heaven, eternity with Christ is something we get by the grace of God. But the Bible says to those who allow the Spirit to guide them, who walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh in their Christian life today, he says, I am going to give them more responsibility, more inheritance of this they realize. God is prepping you. You think that life is now. No, this is school. This is learning. We got a whole lot more ahead of us on this world than we will have in this 70 years, give or take a few. God is preparing us for another time. So what are we to do in this life? Learn. Be teachable. Allow the Spirit to control you. Allow Him to take you on a journey that you cannot go on on your own. Because He says, if you let me do that, I'm telling you, you'll find yourself much happier, much more fulfilled, 
and have a much more pleasant experience in this thing called life. Father, bless us this morning. So much for the teaching of thy word. Thank you so much for... Man, you gave us not only the lesson, you gave us a pattern with our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone who lived under the control and direction of the Father. Lord, may that be our testimony as well. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you this question. I talked about that great chasm that separates you. The Bible says... Thank you so much for listening and paying attention to this week's episode of the In Amen podcast. If you would like to reach out to me personally with any questions or comments, simply go to friendshiptioga at gmail.com. Send me an email and I will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like to know more information about our church, it's friendshiptioga.church. Simply go there. You'll be able to find a wealth of information about who we are. And then another thing right there on the website, if you do not know Jesus as your personal savior, please go to friendshiptioga.church and go to the tab that says, what's your story? I believe everybody ought to have a story about when they met Christ. And this is a wonderful way to get that story. Thank you so much for paying attention. If you could share this on your social media and get the word out, I believe many people would love to know more information about what's in between in and amen. Until next time, I'll see you later.